Episode 14, Michelle Bonahum, founder and CEO of Vision One High Performance Group. Yeah, I love the term favorite mistake because I guess looking at it, I wouldn't have thought of it as that, but it really is my favorite mistake. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. And we're joined today by Michelle Bonahum. She is founder and CEO of Vision One High Performance Group. And she's founder also, and we'll talk about this later, of a movement she calls the We Are Unstoppable Movement. So over the past 20 years, she's worked with over 100 different companies and thousands of leaders as they prepare for critical transitions. She has accumulated diverse experience as a coach, as a speaker, an author, a business owner, a private investor, a consultant, and an advocate for small business and mid-market companies. So Michelle, you seem really busy. That's a long list. I'm glad you could be here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, we're going to talk about um, some of the work you do and uh, your book and this unstoppable movement. But but first, let's let's jump in. I mean, what do you consider to be your favorite mistake, Michelle? Yeah, I love the term favorite mistake because I guess looking at it, I wouldn't have thought of it as that, but it really is my favorite mistake. I've spent most of my career helping uh, business leaders navigate critical transitions, whether it's accelerating their business buying and selling or transitioning to the next generation of leadership. And I talk a lot about work-life balance and I talk about um, the the need to kind of plan for what I call the five D's, those unexpected events that 50% of all transitions get, get um, uh, triggered by these unexpected things like divorce and um, death and disability and um and disaster, and so a lot of the things that we're experiencing today, um, and and so you know, it, it's one thing to teach it, so it's another thing to practice it, right? And and my mistake was, you know, about three years ago, I was in a place where I wasn't living it, and I was tired, and I was saying, you know, something's got to change, and I was actually looking forward to coming home and spending the weekend planning that change with my husband and my kids. Um, and, um, I I remember coming home late from speaking at a speaking engagement and I was talking on work-life balance Mm. and I, I was so tired and exhausted. I swung by and got fast food, came in, turned on the lights, woke up my husband and he was, you know, he was upset because I woke him up at about 11 at night. Mm. And so he got up angry, went downstairs to sleep and, um, and I just said, thanks a lot. Instead of saying hello, I just said, thanks a lot. The next day I got up, had a full day, came home. Um, once again, tired. It was the end of the week. Um, had to take that one last call mm-hmm. before, you know, I had kids knocking on my door. Right. And suddenly my daughter came out and said, mom, you got to come quick. Something's wrong with dad. And I walked in and found he had passed unexpectedly at the age of 45 from oh undiagnosed heart disease. Oh, and so wow. things did get much worse. <laughs> um, and wow. yeah, and so the, the mistake was, I wish I would have just simply said hello the night before, 
Um, uh, but it, it really was a foundational shift for my life and has become a, a huge blessing in my life um, to navigate through that process. That was a critical transition I was not expecting. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think what's sad did not, I did not know the story was, uh, was going that direction. My gosh, I'm very, I'm so sorry for, for your loss and especially Thank you. under, um, circumstances like that. Um, so if, you know, forgive me, I hope none of these questions are, are too, you know, in, in delicate in terms of uh, a follow-up. Um, so with, you know, um, you know, unimaginable, you know, pain and grief and, and shock like that, um, at, at what point was there reflection? I mean, you know, you, as you, as you, you know, tell the story of, of, of being busy and, you know, it sounds like, you know, said that one of, the, one of those last interactions was not, not, not an interaction that, um, you probably enjoy retelling. Um, so I'm just curious to hear some of your process of, you know, you know, I guess first off recovery, but then reflection and yeah. what to do then in terms of life, yet alone work-life balance. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was, it was my wake up call and, you know, not only had he passed away unexpectedly from undiagnosed heart disease, he was the one that seemed fit. I was the one that was 315 pounds. I was on seven medications and I had five diagnoses and I was tired and I had four kids that were between the ages of nine and, and 15. And so I had to reflect very quickly and I had to get life in order very quickly. And so, you know, I simply turned to what I knew and I knew 15 years of walking beside business leaders who are navigating critical change. And so I turned to those same tools and resources that, um, that I had been helping those leaders um, navigate change through. And so the first thing that I did was simply to figure out my why, refigure out my why, because I needed to realize I needed to get healthy for my kids. I needed to get life in order for my kids. My businesses, I had two businesses at the time. They weren't ready for me to step away like that. And so I had to, to quickly kind of get my, get my center, my foundation, revisit my mission, my values, and my, my vision. Um, and, and really knowing that my mission has been to, to bring out the gold in others in a way that they want to bring out the gold in, in somebody that they know. You know, I had to, I had to look at, okay, <laughs> I do a lot of lean work. And so who's my target customer right now? My target customer is my kids and I need to um, focus on, on bringing out whatever they value. And so, um, because I don't want to make that same mistake where we're going to get this figured out next weekend and then have something like this happen with them. And so, yeah. uh, uh, just pulled out, I'm a journaler. And so I pulled out 20 years of journals to look for what are the clues, the themes, the, the anchors that I knew, what do I know about who I am? What do I know about what, what I have? And, and that was my anchor and started down the journey of walking through my change model. <laughs> um, I, I literally sat down with the same forms that I use with clients and, and filled it out. And in a matter of less than 12 months, I lost hundred pounds. I got, went off all meds. Wow. Um, my wow. relationships were right with my kids were better than ever. And, and the companies were stabilized and, and actually probably operating better without me being there as much as I was. So, hmm. um, you know, it was really kind of a practice what I preach moment, um, hmm. and, and really a time for me to focus back on, 
my core foundation and what was important to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it struck me earlier, you were talking about that. So maybe we can delve into a little bit of, you know, the, the, the practice, what we preach moment, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, the lean methodology, um, you know, sometimes that comes up in these episodes where, you know, professionally, you know, um, I do work with um, that methodology in healthcare and other settings. So um, I'll, I'll admit, so mistakes, you know, we talk about mistakes. I do my best to practice what I preach. Um, I have checklists for certain key things that I do, including this podcast. But you know what happens? Sometimes I don't follow the checklist. I get overconfident. I know how to do that. I haven't made a mistake. And sure enough, when I get burned, nothing life-threatening, unlike healthcare, is when I don't follow the checklist. And then I feel like, well, all right, wow, I need to practice what I preach. So, you know, so anyway, sharing that in context of, of asking you, you know, to think of like, how can we be aware whether we're in the lean methodology as professionals or, or not to uh, avoid a trap where we're not practicing what you're preaching? You had mentioned work-life balance, whether you want to share more about that or, or something else that falls into this category of as professionals who help others, how do we make sure we're helping ourselves? Yeah, I think that's a really great question because the first first year, year and a half, you know, I was able to kind of step back a little bit from work and and I took the time. I really was intentional about the time. And I actually wrote a book called Unstoppable and which which was talking about my story and mm-hmm. and walking people through those steps. And I released that last November. Um and and then and then 2020 hit (laughs) and I was, you know, I, we do, we do a lot of turnarounds and I was heavily involved in a turnaround and COVID hit and I ended up getting sick. I was sick for the first six months and Mm -hmm. I lost some of the traction that I had been making on, on my health. And, and, and then as a result, you know, I started working more. And and so I, it it was kind of like a second wake up call of uh, you know, you're, you're going back into it. And the key to, key for me is we, you know, with my kids, especially I had worked out some trigger words or, or, you know, you might want to call them metrics on uh, when, when is thing, when are things out of balance? And so they started to say, mom, you're working too much. And, and, um, you know, and we need this or we need that. And, and so then I was able to say, okay, it's time to shift. Like things are getting outside of where we set as being normal. And, and, and we were trying to figure out the new normal too, because, you know, I now I'm mom and dad and working from home and navigating several, many clients that are working from home. And, and, um, and so I, I needed to not only kind of have those triggers that said, this is what out of balance looks like, but then I also had to be able to um, quickly come back to that plan and, and say, we're in new times now, you know, and how does it look different? I had to be willing to adapt that plan. And sometimes that's hard for people, especially like people who like to win. Um, you know, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to work that plan to the end instead of realizing that, you know, maybe it's time for this plan to change and Mm -hmm. that we need a contingency plan now that we're in a whole different, season and I'm now working from home and my kids are, you know, on the other side of the door trying to navigate school. And, and so, um, I think those are kind of the key things, um, is, you know, to be nimble, but then also keep that anchor and know what's most important to you and make sure you have those metrics or those, 
those triggers that say this, <laughs> I call them glass balls. If you're going to drop your glass balls, that's not good. So know what, yeah. know what your glass balls are dropping and yeah. in, in your plastic and your rubber balls, they're maybe not as critical. So don't worry so much about those. Yeah. Um, it sounds like your kids were in a way, you know, sometimes, you know, people use the phrase accountability partner or can be, you know, uh, there, there are times where, you know, even something as simple as like, you know, a bad habit of uh, biting my nails, which in a COVID era, I've put that, that it's been easier, you know, the, the why is stronger of why nail biting is even worse, not that it was ever a good thing, but she is, you know, somebody willing to say, hey, stop it, you're starting. And, and that accountability is really helpful. And, and that can be helpful in, in professional settings as well. Have you seen similar things like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coach by nature. And so I believe everybody needs a coach, even coaches need coaches. And, yep. um, and accountability is so important. And I think it's important to have those accountability conversations to give permission. You know, I do need to give my kids permission to be able to say, um, you know, things are out of order. I needed to be able to give my team permission to say, Michelle, you're out of line. Um, and, and things need to get on track. And so to be intentionally seeking, um, that, that constructive feedback and, and partnering with others for accountability. That's why I really love the, the topic of your podcast, my favorite mistake. Cause when people look at mistakes as opportunities, mm -hmm. then you open yourself up to accountability. If it's when you have to get it right. And I'm a recovering perfectionist. So <laughs> that's hard for me. It's yeah. it's still even after, you know, years and years of practice, it's hard for me to to not want to get it 100% right and to be okay with 80% right. Yeah, I, I, I really I relate to that. And um, yeah, I have some of the same traits. And you know, I've got to get myself a coffee mug that says, you know, nobody's prefect or something, you know, just <laughs> as that reminder of, you know, I mean, there's times where I type the word mistake a lot in prepping show notes and communicating with people. And I'm, I, I'm a good typist. I misspell the word mistake more than, <laughs> more than I should, but you know, this happens. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's human error, there's slip ups, and then there are errors, mistakes that we can learn from and put things in place um, to help prevent um those mistakes. And so, you know, I want to maybe, you know, talk a little bit about some of the work you do related to, um, you know, business change, corporate change. Are, are there certain mistakes that you see that are learnable, teachable mistakes, I guess would be the better way of saying that. I've made a mistake again. Um, are there teachable mistakes in, in that realm that, that you can talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest mistake is, especially I work with small and mid-sized businesses, I'm sure this is probably true across the board, is just the need to get it 100% right and and to not be okay with 80% right and testing it along the way. Like, no, what, what are your guardrails? What are the things you have to do, can't do? But then what are the things you can kind of just leave open um, for uh, for testing of those assumptions. And, and, uh, and then because of that, I think the other big mistake that I see is people just not getting started. I call getting off go, you know, like, yeah. um, what can you do versus getting stuck and having to get it perfect? And, and if you can't get unstuck, you can't change. Mm -hmm. Well, there's um, a psychologist that I interviewed um, in a different podcast series that I've done out of um, UCLA. Uh, Robert Moore is his name. 
And he's written a couple of books. So you, you would relate to this, Michelle. You probably know the word Kaizen related to lean manufacturing, yeah. you know, Japanese word, you know, continuous improvement. And uh, Dr. Moore, as a psychologist, has studied and, and worked with patients. And um, he's written um, two great books. Um, one first is called, I think, uh, One Step at a Time. So to your point of getting unstuck, what he's learned in working, for example, with patients, um, here's here's one that I've practiced of like, you know, it's one thing to say, I'm go to conferences. I'll reminisce about the days when we went to online uh, to in-person conferences. I'm not going to eat the brownies that they put out anymore at the lunch, you know, at the, the afternoon break. And that might be a too big of a leap. So what Dr. Moore teaches is if you normally have that brownie, pick one up, tear, tear off a corner throw it away and then enjoy the rest of the brownie. And then maybe the next time I'm the king of cutting stuff in half, you know, I'll use a knife. And again, during COVID times, you know, nobody wants you near their food, but this idea of, you know, if it's overwhelming to say I'm giving up brownies altogether, it's less overwhelming to eat 90% of a brownie. And then the science brain science and psychology has proven that if you get started, you can succeed. Yeah. And it sounds simple, but we get stuck in that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important just to, you know, what what is that one step you can take? What do you know? And and from there, then the, it creates the momentum for change. In my book, Unstoppable, we talk about the domino effect, which is similarly that psychology or that science is that, you know, you knock down one little domino, progressively 13 dominoes, double that size can be knocked down because of the momentum. And that's enough power to knock down the um, Empire State Building. And so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's that one little thing you can do to create enough momentum to get you to take the next step? And one of my favorite authors, and he, he's a speaker and has been a consultant for a long time, Quint Studer, mostly in the healthcare space, um, is called that uh, the flywheel. Okay. Effect. So, you know, different physics and, you know, kind of engineering way of framing it. But yeah, of once you get started, you can think of it as, as in a positive way, something snowballing. Yeah, it, exactly. it, it takes on a life of its own or, you know, however you, you um, want to put that. So, um, you know, you, 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 in your work, you know, you talk about change being part of the human experience, um, change that happens to us and change we initiate. Um, what, what are some strategies or approaches you use when it seems like people are afraid of change, when they're trapped or when they're stuck, when they're not taking that first step? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest foundational uh, focuses in our work is really to look at mindsets. A lot of times when we change, we try to start doing something different or we try to build a skill or go to a class or learn something new. And and um, but you can do all you can do that all day long if you don't have the right mindset in right. place, it, it doesn't do any good. So like one ex one practical example of that is I've always been really, really good at problem solving. Mm -hmm. But after my husband had passed away, I all of a sudden had, I had a hard time making decisions. I just couldn't figure it out. And, and it was very, it took a lot of energy and it was overwhelming. And, um, and so I, we, we do assessments where we can kind of measure mindset. And I had done, I took an assessment and I saw that I had a limiting belief, a mindset that was telling me it was now bad to make decisions because I was having so many things come at me that I was overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And so I ended up just doing some of the mindset work that we do with, with our clients on myself. And within a matter of three weeks, I started to have my colleagues tell me, it seems like Michelle's back. 
And I, I kind of looked around and said, wow, you're right. It has been easy to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it wasn't about, I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm all for coaching, but I didn't have to go to a long coaching session. I didn't have to go to a class on problem solving. I just had to flip that switch in my brain. That was, that was believing the lie that, that problem solving or making decisions was bad or scary. Um, and so, you know, I think the key to that, to getting unstuck is really recognizing what mindsets, limiting beliefs, or even long-standing strongholds are, are keeping you stuck before you even start to change. Cause then change is easy. Like really, you know, I joke with people and say to lose a hundred pounds actually was pretty easy for me. Um, now it's actually harder for me now because I have some more Mm -hmm. mindset work I have to do. And so, so, uh, so that really seeing the key to lasting change can be mm-hmm. so much more simple if you have the right mindset in place. Yeah. And, you know, just bring it back uh, again, you mentioned perfectionism. That can be something that really prevents somebody from getting started. That fear of, well, I don't want to do it because it might not be perfect um, as opposed to, um, you know, I think of writing a book and, and we'll talk more about your book, Unstoppable. I'm curious what your process was, you know, as I've written books, and I've talked to other author, authors, when, when I'm asked, I'll give advice about, um, you know, don't write, nobody ever writes the perfect book in your head. You've got to be willing right. to write and then look and say, what's good, what's bad, I'm going to edit, I'm going to tweak, I'm going to throw that out. And, and that can be hard if, uh, if you're trying to be a perfectionist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Being a perfect, that's, I still struggle with that. In fact, I think writing my book is probably the second favorite mistake I've made uh, because I knew I was supposed to be released in November. It was in my mind, it wasn't anywhere near ready. It took a lot of courage for me to release it mm-hmm. in its that it was because I'm like, it's not ready. And I'm, I don't know if, you know, like from a, from a strength finder perspective, maximizer is one of my strengths. And so nothing is ever, it is ever complete or good or whatever. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that I did release it at that time because yeah. who knew what was going to happen in 2020. Um, right. And, and I was able to, I mean, the, I've, I've probably read the book more this year than any of my readers have read the book because <laughs> I've needed to hold on to it and, and remind myself to make it through um, a lot of the challenges that have hit myself and my family and, and our, you know, our client businesses this year. So um, that, I just really did learn the lesson that even though it doesn't seem perfect, it's maybe still perfect time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it sounds like you're, you're remembering, you know, or, or, you know, reminding yourself of um, practicing what you preach, follow, what's in the book. And yeah, sometimes you get that book done and someone will ask you a question. I'm like, I haven't looked at the book in a while because you, yeah. you get so in your head and you get tired of looking at it. But, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I'm curious what you're, it's not, you, it sounds like you're saying something similar. I often think um, a book is never done. You just decide to stop working on it. Right. But, yeah. So deadline helps with that. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is, uh, in a, you know, an accomplishment worth celebrating. And, uh, again, the book is Unstoppable, uh, Michelle Bonahum. The subtitle, Seven Steps to Get Unstuck, Make the Big Change, and Unlock Your Potential. And, you know, I think for a lot of people this year, this is a year of reflection. So this is maybe a year to take a look at um, changes that we want to make or need to make and, and figure out if we're stuck, how to get unstuck. And it seems like your book would be helpful for that. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're, things aren't going to go back to the way they were, you know, and so it's important to be thinking about what's your new normal. And I talked about that with business or the business owners I work with is, you know, what's your new normal. And, and so it is important to take that time and really walk through that reflective process of, of what you want your change to be. And, and then what are the practical steps to, to get through it? Because you know what, it might, it might be the last day you have. So um, you don't want to wait. Well, that's you know, a, a powerful um, note to end on. And, and Michelle, again, thank you for telling, um, I, you know, I didn't realize how um, personal your story was going to be. Um, you know, I'm sorry uh, for, for your loss and especially um, the circumstances, but um, thank you for, um, I think as you know, the people you're working with are saying, and I've just met you, but getting back to the Michelle they knew, right? And um, unstoppable is a great word to keep in mind. So the website for Michelle's book is um, www.wearetheunstoppable.com. And then um, the business that Michelle mentioned with um, M&A transition uh, work and and other uh, business services is www.visiononeperformance.com. Michelle, thank you uh, for being here. I certainly wish you the best through the rest of this year and whatever lies ahead for all of us and and for you individually. So really, really appreciate having you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.